You're listening to Marketplace Ministry, a podcast for kingdom-minded entrepreneurs that examines business through a biblical lens. Your business is a calling, and when done well, brings glory and honor to God. Let's get into the show. On this episode of Marketplace Ministry, we're diving back into the top five episodes of 2022, and this time we're going to be listening into an interview with Christopher Hamburger all about answering the call to the creative ministry. Let's get into the show. So the earliest one I remember, I was probably around nine years old. Uh, my father had actually given me a film camera because we're talking, you know, mid-90s. And I remember being in the front yard with my brother, my little brother, my little sister, and just taking photos of them playing and rolling around in the grass. I remember having them lay down in the grass, taking a photo from above. Um, No idea where those photos are, but I do remember taking them. It was really impactful because my father was a photographer. And I think I've always been very inspired to uh, maybe follow in his footsteps in some ways because I've admired his work, but also, you know, genetically, maybe there's a part of me that just is inherently a photographer. Honestly, the fact that I even can remember doing that at nine years old, it's very evident that it had a huge impact on me. While I may have stopped taking photos for a while, I've always enjoyed holding a camera. A little bit of background for me, um, grew up in Central America, so on the mission field. My stepfather, he was a photographer for the ministry, which, you know, my mom obviously has a type. Um, <laughs> so one day our principal photographer was not able to you know, go with us on an event and he handed me the camera and says, Hey, you want to try? And I loved it. Um, I remember we were doing dramas at schools, dramas and karate demonstrations. And then comparing this karate demonstration to the gospel. It was very interesting. I don't remember what that part was. I was so focused on the, the photography, but I remember trying to capture those moments where they were breaking the boards, getting everyone's reactions, and and I fell in love. That's the moment when I really fell in love with photography. Funny enough, it was in ministry. But um, yeah, I'd say that's about when I was about 15. And from there, I pretty much never stopped. It's It's been a long journey. I'm 33 now. And I've, I've probably loved it since I was 15. Yeah. Wow. So, And you've been at Abundant Life for 15 years. Mm-hmm. What brought you to Kentucky to begin with, and mm. how did you make that transition into doing more of the creative ministry that you're doing today? So I was in the mission field up until I was 18, and I wanted to find my own way, not in a rebellious way, but I realized I had been very faithful in, in doing what my parents did and contributing to them and the ministry that they worked for, um, which was a family ministry. My grandfather founded it. But... I found that my identity was tied up in who my parents were, who my grandfather was. Mm. So I I knew that even though my destination is actually to go back home there eventually, I knew that I needed to find my own path there, my own way. And I had some ideas of where I was going, but I was talking to my mother about it one day on a mission trip, and Apostle Jimmy was walking by. He looked at me and said, hmm, where where are you going? He asked me a couple questions and walked away, and about 30 minutes later, he came back and said, hey, I talked to my wife. If you come up to Kentucky... Come to our church. You can stay with us for a couple months. I have a house that you can stay at for free a couple months and have a place of work where you can at least get a, you know immediate job, at least paying minimum wage, get you started, and you know we can help you. And I was like, yeah, that sounds fantastic because I trust Apostle Jimmy, and it was a lot better than just trying to wing it on my own. So I came here, fell in love with the church. People ask me, like, why, 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 why Kentucky? 
you know, you, you had this missionary background, you traveled a lot, you've been a lot of places, why Kentucky? It's because the, the church here, I fell in love with it. And then I found out this is where I was called to be for now. In that, it's been a long transition to go from, hey, I, I attend this church, I'm 18, to serving in a much more transactional, tangible, physical way, to a, now a little bit more of an abstract, artistic way. It's been a long, long journey. But um, I'd say the first thing that I did serving-wise in the church, I was about probably 19, maybe 20. They needed help with sound engineers. I raised my hand, jumped in, and it was my first time that I could contribute in a way that I felt added value specific to my talents. That's been a big part of my journey is realizing there are certain levels of servanthood and work that are um, that can be enhanced by your talents and your skills, God-given talents and skills. That's cool <laughs> that you, you started in the sound ministry, and it sounds like you've had some experience with different areas of creative ministry at that time. Um, I'm just curious for our listeners – by going into doing the sound ministry, was that at all anything related to the work that you were doing outside the church? Mm, good question. I would say no. <clears throat> it's a very technical thing. It's a very technical aspect. So if you were to ask me, hey, why are you good at ABC? You know, I think the, the foundational thing for me is I'm a very perceptive and detailed person. If you really ask me the foundation of anything I'm good at, well, if you really go way down deep, it's Christ, it's Jesus, it's it's gifts and skills God's given us. But it's this level of perception and detail. Mm -hmm. And I was able to use my level of perception and detail of music I already enjoyed and loved. And I was able to diagnose and say, why do why does this sound so great to me? Why do I love this? And I applied it to audio. And the, the reason I say this is I, I personally, that's my method for everything I do artistically. I take movies that I grew up watching. I apply a visual style to something. I take uh, graphics or advertisements that have been impactful, whether they're something mid-century, very classical, or something more contemporary. If I do something in graphic design, I take what I've learned, the, that inspiration, and I apply that detail. So that muscle was built running sound, but it wasn't directly connected to, to anything. And the reason I say this is a lot of times we don't ask ourselves, why am I good at something? Mm. Talk about that. There's a lot of levels to it. I think, why do you do something is a great question to ask yourself first. You know, what, what is your motives behind it? But also, why do you enjoy it? You know, having grown up in the mission field, I grew up around a lot of great men of God and a lot of great servants and a lot of great laborers, a lot of people who have done some wonderful works. Okay. It influenced my opinion of what serving God was supposed to be like. And it's taken a long time for me to, and I wasn't taught this. This is just how I decided to perceive it. And it's this idea that, the more you sweat, the better you do for God, and the better of a Christian you are, and the better of a servant you are. Almost as if the amount of effort equated how effective you were. Mm. And that actually, for the longest time, stifled my creative uh, expression because to me that was not, it was not solid, concrete evidence of labor. It felt superfluous. It felt like I was wasting my time. Like, oh, look at this pretty photo. Oh, look at this great graphic, but who cares? I could be putting nails to hammers and building something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So the reason I say all that is the perspective of where you value and where you put value into things is also very important. But why you're good at something and why you enjoy it and going down foundationally, it's really great because then you can diagnose yourself. You can diagnose yourself and then you can suddenly see not just where you are now, but where you can be. 
So for instance, that level of perception and detail, I've been able to use it in business. I've been able to use it in personal life. I've been able to use it with my children. I, I take these skills that I know are, are inherently a part of who I am. I embrace them, whether they fit the stigma or model that I grew up on. This is the perfect man, or this is the perfect servant, or this is the perfect man of God. I realize there's some things that are just inherently me. Mm-hmm. How can I use that tool to its maximum benefit? I don't want to bury my talent. I want to let it shine. So perception works in everything. I get to use it in my conversations with people. I get to use it when I'm listening to my, my child tell me why he feels a certain way. And I can, I can use that and turn it into something good. And it's interesting because it's not something I commonly see in the art realm. But if you're good at something, there's foundationally a reason for it. And it, it, it can be measured. It can be measured and it should be kind of dug up. You need to understand yourself. Now, this is coming from a 33-year-old who just figured this out probably last year. So it takes time. It takes time. But yeah, I think it's really important for that reason. So talk a little bit about how you got into doing the photography for the church. I'm going to be completely transparent and upfront about that. There's, there's two factors. One was I, was I was being developed artistically on my own free time. I was allowing, so I talked a little bit about my history, and I was allowing myself to be creative. Mm-hmm. Why? Because in prayer, God told me, I want you to be creative. I need you to be creative. I created you to be creative. Do Amen. it. Amen. And that released this guilt of I'm wasting my time every time I, I go and walk around with a camera. I could be spending time with my kids. I could be spending time at the church. I could be spending time praying and reading. But instead, I was suddenly empowered to create on my own time because God said, I made you good at this for a reason. Are you really going to not do anything with it? So that in my free time, that's what I started doing. But I was shooting photography with film, analog film. Every time I push that button, might as well say cha-ching, cost money, right? And it's a little bit different um, when I'm doing it from an artistic perspective. I take my time in the type of photography that I do for the church. The reason this matters is our church at the time didn't have any photographic equipment, photo, video. I know we're doing stuff for streaming, but not nothing appropriate for the type of content we needed to create. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, in prayer, the Lord led me to buy a camera. He's like, buy a camera. I was like, nope, it costs money. Um, but even in pairing the whole becoming creative in my own free time, learning in my own free time, becoming passionate about this in my own time, not taking church time, and then on the flip side, God's saying, hey, invest in yourself and the ministry. My digital camera I purchased, I'd never use for my own personal stuff. I don't say never, but almost never do I actually use it for my own personal enjoyment. It's used for ministry. When I first got it, you know, I, I was dabbling around in different things like weddings and stuff like that. I found so much frustration in it. And I realized it's because that's not what I'm meant to do. It's not what I enjoy doing. That's not why God made me good at photography. Might be for some people. Some people may be empowered to use their creative skills to make money. That drives me crazy. Money doesn't have a whole lot of value for me. What has value is some of the things money can do. Hmm. But I actually am not interested in having money. Uh, if I have my need, my needs met and I'm working towards my goals, those are important things. Adding extra money to that, especially with such a high investment of, let's say, shooting a wedding and then taking three or four hours to edit and do all these things and dealing with people that maybe are difficult to deal with. I find so much less value than that than I do running around the church and doing ministry stuff with a camera because that's that's a spiritual investment that I'm making. So mm-hmm. when the Lord let me become creative, let me invest in my free time. And then he said, buy this camera. Suddenly now there was a need of the church. 
And that's been a reoccurring theme that I've seen is being connected with God. Sounds simple, but it really is. Being led by the Spirit. Being willing to basically have God correct you and tell you what to do. I found he was training me. He was putting me in positions to be trained, putting me in positions to meet people who would suddenly teach me things or we would talk shop. And I'd be like, oh, that's interesting. Can you show me more about it? And then soon after, there was a need at church. And it's almost as if the demand at the church increased as my supply increased. Now, it's not about me, but I would say in the context of this ministry, a lot of what we do creatively, I typically have hands in it. Mm-hmm. And the more I'm willing to be grown, the more I'm able to contribute. But what's interesting is that, that demand and that growing goes hand in hand. Being led by the Spirit, it's something that is, is really lacking a lot of, of creatives in ministry because I think it's very easy to get caught up in the work. Uh, when, you, when you talk about creativity, when you're producing a creative work, that could be a painting, it could be music, it could be a, a photograph like we're talking about. What you put into it is what you're going to get out. So if you put your, your intellect into a photograph, that's going to yield intellectual benefits. So if you say, I'm going to be very detailed, meticulous about my lighting, I'm going to have this perfect and this perfect, then somebody who maybe has acquired a good taste, let's think about food. If you go to a five-star restaurant, somebody who eats fast food every day is not going to appreciate as much as somebody who has a refined palate. Okay? Mm. So in that context, someone who's really you know maybe well-versed in photography will look at your photo and say, oh, look at all this very intellectually sound and well-executed work. But if you put your heart into it and ignore all of that, you could create something that on paper, maybe statistically and the, strategic, uh, the actual like methodology of the photography, maybe you didn't check all the right boxes, but you created an image with your heart that felt right. Somebody can look at it and what do they do? They feel. Mm. Personally, I always choose the feeling over the intellect. I choose what does this make you think? What does this make you feel? Not, is it technically accurate? Because yeah. that's how you get these hollow artistic works. They're great, but they don't do anything for you. They don't leave an impression. You don't typically leave an impression because something is just done accurately. Leave an impression because something is special mm. and it touched you and you could connect with it in a certain way. Photography is interesting. And the reason for that is there's so many ways that you can tug on people's heartstrings, get their attention. So big one is nostalgia. Believe it or not, everybody actually has a desire to reference how they saw things visually in the past. That's why even now people will use very expensive equipment and they will edit to make it look like a photo taken 40 years ago on film. The colors, the different aspects, they'll add grain, uh, different things like that. And the reason for it is that tends to connect to something inside people. Yeah. You shoot with your heart, personal opinion, like not with that. your head. I like that. That's very good. So for people who are working maybe a nine to five job or mm. maybe maybe even something that's a second shift job or overnight and they really want to feel like they're expressing themselves creatively, they feel like God's calling them to do that, but they don't feel like they have the means to express themselves, what would what would you tell them to do? Hmm. Well, let me ask you, when you say means, give me some examples, because mm. I think the, the biggest issue I have is, you know, that's an excuse. I think you're right. If, th- if you add patience to it, and you, you, you take into factor, hey, I can only do so much right now. But if you add patience and time, then every small, even micro contribution you make adds up, and it doesn't disappear. It doesn't go away. It stays. And you're right. I, I think a lot of people, 
hinder themselves by making up excuses that maybe they, maybe it's not, maybe to them it doesn't even seem like an excuse. Maybe it's their truth, their reality mm. that they've come to accept inside themselves. Like, I work second shift, I work 80 hours a week, there's no way I can do anything in church, I can't, I don't have time to sit down and paint something or I don't have time to play my instrument like I used to. Um, I've got my kids. It's all excuses. You're absolutely right. It's all excuses. And somehow we become prisoners inside this prison that is created by all of the excuses that we've come to accept as truth in our lives. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, I think it is tricky when you have a ministry and you have certain hours, you know, Hey, I can only serve during this time frame. But, you know, there's been times I went to our administrative person here at the church and said, hey, I want to volunteer in this area. Here's my schedule. Here's where I can serve. So sound ministry, for instance, I had moved on to another area and I wanted to get involved with it again. And I kind of had a second round of being involved with the sound ministry. And I told him, here's my availability. You can use me as much as you want within this time frame. But these other time frames that I know you do stuff with sound, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'd love to be able to volunteer. I can't. I can't. So what they did is they utilized me within the context of where I was able to serve. Mm -hmm. But in your free time, all it is is excuses. Oh, well, I don't have time for photography. Why? Oh, I have family. You know what's a great thing to take photos of? You're a family. Wow. You And we live in a world now where everyone has an amazing camera in their back pocket. And you know what that's, what's funny? Those also take video. Mm-hmm. And you're going to love the fact that you're taking these photos and videos. You, you wait a year from now and you look back and say, oh, wow, remember – when remember when my child had this haircut remember when oh yeah you see that scratch on his face you know that's from when he fell and whatever and you can take videos of your children and the way they talk and the way that they develop you'll appreciate that personally really photos of videos uh, of friends and family absolute best way to get started because there's so much personal benefit you benefit those involved on the receiving end right i can show my kids this video of them a year ago um you know i can you know etc you're, you're establishing this as part of who you are. Start with that. If you don't have enough time and you feel like you're, you don't have enough time, you don't have enough money, you probably have a phone with a camera on it. And if you're interested in photo or video, pull that out and take photos or videos of the things that are most important to you. If you happen to have, not have family around you all the time, take a photo of your pets. If you love food, I love food. <laughs> Find photogenic food and take photos of it. Sounds cheesy, but you know, there's this idea. We talked about micro contributions. I, I, I joke about it with other photographers whenever I take a photo that I know maybe is not going to turn out. But I say plus one XP. Ah. And it, it's this idea that even if I mess up something, did I learn? Yes. You, you inherently are learning something every time you do something. You're learning yes. how to do it better. Even if you're not even paying much attention to it, you will innately get better at it. Whether it's muscle memory. You know, I can do things photographically now due to muscle memory I couldn't do before. I see something interesting. It's funny how quick I can snap the photo because muscle memory in my arms, I know exactly where to focus and it will immediately be right where I need it to be. Mm. But same thing happens with your, 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 the way your brain works and the way your heart works. I talked about shooting with your heart. The more you do it, the better you get at it. And even if you do it in these little moments of, oh, my dinner looks great. Let me see how is the best way I can get a photo of this and just do it. Do it constantly. Don't let it become an excuse. It's very easy to become distracted with the, the things in life that are important, but that don't actually make your life um, fulfilling, happy. I think a lot of, 
us who have these talents, creative skills, we're not fulfilled unless we use them. Mm. And it's kind of sad because if you stop using them, then you find yourself becoming less and less and less motivated. It's one of those things where very often you, it's kind of like, uh, think of my, my dad's dirt bike. You got to step on it and rev it a few times and kickstart it, right? And eventually you'll get that engine running again. But it's one of those few examples where I fully support fake it till you make it or just, you know, do it until you love it. Mm, I like that. That's really good stuff. And you've recently uh, talked about how you've come to a place in your career and in your heart that you are in a position where you want to go into full-time creative ministry. And this mm. is like you don't even care about being able to get paid, right? You just want to be able to do this. Yeah. And I mean, there's no there's no sugarcoating it. Just to be completely straightforward, you know, in the past probably four years of, of stuff in my, my personal life has been very difficult. Um, things financially and a lot of different changes in, in family situations. Um, you know, it's interesting because God brings it to the other side. But he'll always take any opportunity he can to, to rebuild you. Mm. Um, and what's interesting about when things break, God doesn't just fix them the same way they were. He makes them better. He improves them as that. he goes. And that. the reason that, that that matters in the in this in the answering of your question is because I've come to a place where there's been so much negative situations that have caused a lot of damage in my life that it's caused me to refocus on on what life is, what purpose is, what I actually enjoy and what actually matters to me and what actually matters in the grand scheme of things. You know, financially, I'm still not in a place that I was four or five years ago. However, my view on money is so different now because my view on life and what money's contribution to it is so different. Mm. I'm much more sold out on on the Lord and his leading because that's the only thing that brought me to the other side of this sane and at peace and okay and not self-destructive. So I'm realizing that all of this security that we put in the natural world it's a farce anyways. And although from the outside in, maybe my family members and maybe other people my age or maybe my mentors will look at me and say, well, if you're a responsible man, you need to be making X number of money. You need to have this type. Your car needs to be this new. Whether my car is paid off like it is right now and I enjoy my vehicle, there, you know, there's this idea that this, this almost concept of, hey, you need to meet our requirements culturally or socially. Why don't you own a home? Why don't you know it's what's funny about owning a house? I, and this is just one little example, and this does not apply for everyone. But for me, the amount of effort, time, and money that I had to put into just owning a house, maintaining a house, mowing the lawn, making sure I paid for all the insurance, making sure I did all these different things. If something breaks, I need to have money set aside for it. I found how exhausting it was to juggle that and family and ministry and, and, and trying to enjoy my life. That I've personally, and not to say I won't own a home again, I will. I'm enjoying renting right now because my level of responsibility and effort in that is is, is minimal. And the reason this, this matters and the answer to this question is I've realized in my life what I actually want, what I want genuinely, not what I want in my flesh, not what my pride wants, but what really matters to me. What really matters to me, honestly, is to love the people that I care about. Mm. What really matters to me is to serve God and at the end of my life to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. To be honest, every single other concept is up for grabs. Don't really care. The Lord is my provider. He is my provider. He is the one that 
leads me. He's the one that is, you know, my the one who walks me down this path. I'm done trusting myself. And it's it's personally because you had mentioned it's true. You know, I I feel led to jump into ministry without there being a position offer, without there being a salary offer, without anything. I I will basically quit having an income in order to serve the ministry. And that's not an easy thing for a lot of people. A lot of people feel like if I'm going to do this, I have to make an income. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how is it that you are able to get to that conclusion and, and have that security and be content with that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you said it right there. You said the Lord is my provider. You're yeah. not trusting in yourself, but you're trusting in him that he's going to take care of you. Yes. There's no easy way to swallow this pill. It's a walk on water situation. Mm. Lord, if that's you, call me and I'll come. And Peter, he says, yeah, it's me. Peter stepped out. Why? Because he believed what God said. To be honest, that that's the determining factor in all this. God said, do it, and I believe it. It would be foolish of me to have done this a year ago. It'd be foolish of me to not do it now. What if the Lord said, yeah, it's me, and Peter decided to wait 10 minutes and just have conversations and ask the other disciples their opinions? I like that. It's, it's like there's a timing. Yes. So you said it would have been foolish to do it a year ago, but it'd be foolish not to do it now. Mm-hmm. So the, the timing has to be specifically right yes when you step out on the water absolutely and you know what's funny is in that in that situation with jesus there and peter in the boat you know it's funny jesus didn't say come out to the water it's peter asking peter was putting himself in a position that he was always saying like lord tell me what to do lord direct me lord lead me lord i want to grow and i want to do more for you jesus was walking on the water he never said hey peter come out here yeah. Peter initiated him walking on the water. It was actually yeah. Peter. And if you're not seeking out the will of God, the plan of God, and if you're not saying, Lord, I want to do things for you. Lord, I want to spread your name, not my name. Lord, use me, not for the sake of me, but for the sake of you. You put yourself in a situation where God's going to say, wow, I'd be more than happy to use wow. you. And that that's really the situation. Right now, it just happens to be in a creative ministry which to me is a lot easier to maybe step into than other areas because it's, how do I put this? It's what you're anointed to do. Yes, it's what I'm anointed to do, but also because it's, as we talked about earlier, it's a little bit more of an abstract contribution. It's it's not as tangible as I, I you know I hammered some stuff together and I actually built a physical thing, mm-hmm. or maybe you know I I served in X Y Z and here's what I was able to produce. Right? There's so much more of. Um, room for God to lead and God to be the one that caused success. That, that, that's the real situation. I have always allowed the Lord to lead me and mold me to the best that I was able at the time. And I focused on being more moldable, more obedient, hearing more clearly and obeying immediately. This is all spiritual. The creative way is, is the expression that I get to express to the world and being able to do that in ministry is only possible because of being led by the Spirit. I'm not trained. Amen. I'm not trained. I didn't go to college for any of these things. I don't want to say I'm self-taught because I'm not. I, I thought I was. But the more I look back and realize, oh, wow, I, I met this drone pilot who showed me his drone and taught me how they work. And then suddenly we needed one for the church. I met these, you know, a DP, a director of photography, and all these folks who do these short films who are interested in photography, would hang out because of photography, I'd start asking them questions and they start teaching me all these things about color grading and shooting and, and motions and styles of, of video, which don't get me wrong, you can go on YouTube and search all these things. 
I didn't do that. The Lord brought people my way to deliver and just teach me and train me. I'm not self-taught. I really believe I'm God-taught. What you just said there brought me to 1 John 2.20, where it says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. If you jump down in that same chapter to verse 27, and it says, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Mm. So, as you were saying, you know, some people might listen and think, oh, well, that just seems like... How, Impossible. How, how is that even possible? But yeah. this is, that's what the Word says. It says that the anointing you've received from Him, it abides in you. So it's dwelling within you as a permanent dwelling place. And it teaches you all things. So mm-hmm. why is it that you're getting all of these opportunities to learn about drones and photography and video and all of this. Where, where are these people coming from? It's because the anointing is drawing those people to you and it's teaching you all things. That's amazing. How, how God's word isn't Hmm. just something in the Bible, but it's actually living and it's true. Yeah. And in, in the 21st century. Yeah. In the context that didn't you couldn't even describe to somebody when it was written. Oh, yeah, I take this box and I make these beautiful images that we show on screens of light. You know what I mean? It's this idea that it's so timeless and so but so contemporary. The Holy Spirit is the expert of everything. Amen. Amen. And that anointing and staying in it causes you to be eligible to be used by the Holy Spirit, creatively or otherwise. Eligibility that I have to bring this up. Eligibility is a bell that's been in my heart for the past year or two. And there's this idea that I have to remain eligible to be led. I have to remain eligible to be used, which is my lifestyle. I have to remain eligible to be to utilize my skill, for instance. I have to learn. I have to take my own time, my own motivation that the Lord's given me on my own interest in this and invest. I have to do it. There is a work factor to it. I don't just sit back and say, oh, the Holy Spirit will show me how to use my camera today. No, I need to learn how to use this new camera. I need to learn how to use this equipment. I need to crash my drone a couple of times. <laughs> you know what I mean? And me applying that puts me in this position of eligibility. It puts me in the position of anointing because I'm investing in my life within that action, within that transaction, as well as the obvious spiritual factors. Wow. Listening back to that episode was phenomenal. I got to tell you, there is an update to this story because at the time we recorded it, Christopher was working at a Fortune 10 company. He was making good money. He was getting ready to move into the creative ministry. And then he finally pulled the trigger on it when he got to a certain point. And he has been in our church doing creative ministry with social media, with photography, with podcasts, with videos. He's doing it all. And he's He's having a great time doing it, which is phenomenal, but he's also trusting God to take care of all of his needs during this process. And it's been an interesting ride for him. He's he's experienced some ups, ups and downs, and I've invited him to come back on the show so we can get an update of, of what's going on in his life. But if you haven't seen any of the things that, that Chris is doing, check out our Instagram and our Facebook and also uh, visit our YouTube channel. And until next time, we call you to prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers.
Thanks for listening to Marketplace Ministry. What did God speak to you about during today's show? Join the conversation using hashtag Marketplace Ministry on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Got a question for the show? Email us at info at marketplaceministrypodcast.com or text us at 502-833-6136. Keep seeking God first and serving His people well and your business will prosper in Jesus' name.